Chapter Seventeen of My Life: The Story of a Provincial by Anton Chekhov, translated by Constance Garnett, eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Seventeen. My sister came after dinner on Sunday and had tea with me. I read a great deal now, she said showing me the books which she had fetched from the public library on her way to me thanks to your wife and to vladimir they have awakened me to self-realization they have been my salvation they have made me feel myself a human being in old days i used to lie awake at night with worries of all sorts thinking what a lot of sugar we had used in the week or hoping the cucumbers would not be too salt and now too i lie awake at night but i have different thoughts i am distressed that half my life has been passed in such a foolish cowardly way i despise my past i am ashamed of it and i look upon our father now as my enemy oh how grateful i am to your wife and vladimir he is such a wonderful person they have opened my eyes that's bad that you don't sleep at night i said do you think i am ill not at all vladimir sounded me and said i was perfectly well but health is not what matters it is not so important tell me am i right she needed moral support that was obvious masha had gone away dr blagovo was in petersburg and there was no one left in the town but me to tell her she was right she looked intently into my face trying to read my secret thoughts and if i were absorbed or silent in her presence she thought this was on her account and was grieved i always had to be on my guard and when she asked me whether she was right i hastened to assure her that she was right and that i had a deep respect for her do you know they have given me a part at the Ajogin? she went on i want to act on the stage i want to live in fact i mean to drain the full cup i have no talent none and the part is only ten lines but still this is immeasurably finer and loftier than pouring out tea five times a day and looking to see if the cook has eaten too much above all let my father see i am capable of protest after tea she lay down on my bed and lay for a little while with her eyes closed looking very pale what weakness she said getting up vladimir says all city-bred women and girls are anemic from doing nothing what a clever man vladimir is he is right absolutely right we must work two days later she came to the ajogins with her manuscript for the rehearsal she was wearing a black dress with a string of coral round her neck and a brooch that in the distance was like a pastry puff and in her ears earrings sparkling with brilliance when i looked at her i felt uncomfortable i was struck by her lack of taste that she had very inappropriately put on earrings and brilliance and that she was strangely dressed was remarked by other people too i saw smiles on people's faces and heard someone say with a laugh cleopatra of egypt she was trying to assume society manners to be unconstrained and at her ease and so seemed artificial and strange she had lost simplicity and sweetness i told father just now that i was going to the rehearsal she began coming up to me and he shouted that he would not give me his blessing and actually almost struck me only fancy i don't know my part she said looking at her manuscript i am sure to make a mess of it so be it the die is cast she went on in intense excitement the die is cast it seemed to her that everyone was looking at her and that all were amazed at the momentous step she had taken 
that every one was expecting something special of her and it would have been impossible to convince her that no one was paying attention to people so petty and insignificant as she and i were she had nothing to do till the third act and her part that of a visitor a provincial crony consisted only in standing at the door as though listening and then delivering a brief monologue in the interval before her appearance an hour and a half at least while they were moving about on the stage reading their parts drinking tea and arguing she did not leave my side and was all the time muttering her part and nervously crumpling up the manuscript and imagining that every one was looking at her and waiting for her appearance with a trembling hand she smoothed back her hair and said to me i shall certainly make a mess of it what a load on my heart if only you knew i feel frightened as though i were just going to be led to execution at last her turn came cleopatra alexievna is your cue said the stage manager she came forward into the middle of the stage with an expression of horror on her face looking ugly and angular and for half a minute stood as though in a trance perfectly motionless and only her big earrings shook in her ears the first time you can read it said someone it was clear to me that she was trembling and trembling so much that she could not speak and could not unfold her manuscript and that she was incapable of acting her part and i was already on the point of going to her and saying something when she suddenly dropped on her knees in the middle of the stage and broke into loud sobs all was commotion and hubbub i alone stood still leaning against the side scene overwhelmed by what had happened not understanding and not knowing what to do i saw them lift her up and lead her away i saw anyuta blagovo come up to me i had not seen her in the room before and she seemed to have sprung out of the earth she was wearing her hat and veil and as always had an air of having come only for a moment i told her not to take a part she said angrily jerking out each word abruptly and turning crimson it's insanity you ought to have prevented her madame ajogin in a short jacket with short sleeves with cigarette ash on her breast looking thin and flat came rapidly towards me my dear this is terrible she brought out wringing her hands and as her habit was looking intently into my face this is terrible your sister is in a condition she is with child take her away i implore you she was breathless with agitation while on one side stood her three daughters exactly like her thin and flat huddling together in a scared way they were alarmed overwhelmed as though a convict had been caught in their house what a disgrace how dreadful and yet this estimable family had spent its life waging war on superstition evidently they imagined that all the superstition and error of humanity was limited to the three candles the thirteenth of the month and to the unluckiness of monday i beg you i beg repeated madame ajugin pursing up her lips in the shape of a heart on the syllable you i beg you to take her home End of chapter 17 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine